internet. Welcome to the only podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dow. And we are back. In the same country. That is right. In the same country, in the same room. It's all very exciting. It's very nice to see your face again. Yes, you too. We've You've groomed well. I, oh, yes, I did. Just for this, I shaved uh, my traditional an- welcome back Shahir goatee. Yep, you're wearing a nice shirt. Yep, I'm wearing a nice shirt. And I just, you know, wanted to, wanted to be special because this is, you might you might even say Shahir, my my, my uh, presentation of myself is my gift to you. Oh, that is, oh. Because. Well, I reject your gift. Whoa, that's no good. <laughs> you need to leave me alone. Well, that's that's not that's not nice at all. Oh, um, maybe you deserved it. Maybe I did. Well, we're going to touch on all of these things about gift giving and gift receiving. Uh, because it's coming up to the holiday season. No, try again. <laughs> try again. What movie are we talking about? The Gift. That's right. Uh, yeah, so you wanted to do this a while ago, but you were yeah. out of the country, and then I couldn't see it, and then there was a whole bunch of stuff like that. We're always apologizing on this podcast. We're always well, apologizing we, about our busy lives. We don't have, we <laughs> don't have a set schedule, and I feel like... Uh, I feel like whenever you do a podcast, all the successful podcasts that I listen to deliver every week. And while I think we have a lot of good content, we really got to nail down this whole, you know, let's do one every week. And it's neither of our faults because it's both of our faults. But we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. But I wanted to do this film because of a couple of reasons. I heard it was great. Right. I wanted to see it. Sure. Uh, these are all dumb reasons. I saw it. <laughs> what? I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And then I told you, you should go see it. And oh, and then a podcast was born. And then you thought about it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to see it mainly because of Joel Edgerton. So uh, uh, Joel Edgerton is the writer and director of the film. He also acts in the film. Right. And American audiences will probably know him kind of as the guy... You know, the B character in a film. He's never really the lead, except for maybe in Warrior and Exodus. Sure. And again, he's not like the lead lead. He's kind of like, you know, number two or number one equal in in, right. in those movies. But he's a he's a very well-established Australian actor, um, and he's part of a collective of filmmakers called the Blue Tongue Collective, or Blue Tongue Films. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm really into Blue Tongue Films is they produced... A, one of my favorite films of the last 10 years, uh, Animal Kingdom, which is an amazing film, which de- which uh, Joel Edgerton is in. Um, I would say Animal Kingdom, and, and I'm not too sure about why this is the case, but Animal Kingdom was really well received in Australia and New Zealand, not so well received in the United States, although Jackie Weaver, who was in the film, got, a, got an Oscar nomination. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, another reason you're naming all these reasons why you like this man, <laughs> but you're not getting to the main one. What was the main one? The main one is he's from New Zealand. He's not from New Zealand. Isn't he not? No. Where's he from? Oh, man. You just did the classic, classic New Zealand versus Australia thing. Oh, he's from he's Australia. He's Australian. <laughs> <laughs> in, in my country, you'll get a pa- you get a paddling for that. Wow. Well, then this is this is a first for you because I know how 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 <laughs> strong the rivalry is, but you you you've well, what did you think of the movie? Well, well, the rivalry is strong, but the one thing I would say is that uh New Zealand uh, whatever it is the Australians are doing in terms of filmmaking, they're doing it very well because Blue Tongue Collective, I think, is an amazing collection of filmmakers. Uh, as the, the one thing you could go and watch right now if you're listening to this is go look for their short films. And their short films are a film called Spider, uh, which is a superb short film by a filmmaker by the name of Nash Edgerton, who is Joel Edgerton's older brother. Uh, Nash is a stunt, uh, stunt performer and who does stunts on all of Joel's films, um, and, uh, does stunts for a lot of big films, including Zero Dark Thirty, which Joel Edgerton was in as well. Um, uh, so Spider is awesome. Uh, Bear is amazing. 
Crossbow by David Michaud is amazing. I think it won a major prize at Sundance. These are all amazing short films. And then they've made a couple of um, feature films in the U.S. Uh, Hisher, which I think you're a fan of with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Hisher, but a, uh, uh, a sort of aging middlehead who goes to live with a, uh, with a family. I've never seen that film. Never seen that film. Okay, well, that's, that's a Blue Tongue Collective film. Uh, then there's The Gift. Uh, they made another film called Wish You Were Here, which I haven't seen. So they're a really talented group of, uh, sure. of Australian filmmakers. And, and so, and I've kind of, uh, a couple of my short films have played uh, alongside their short films. And I've always been a little embarrassed to have my films up against theirs because they're Aww. amazing. Um, so that's, that's okay, so that's the background as to sure, why I wanted sure. to see this. I also think Joel Edgerton as an actor is is one of those guys who... Um, can be on screen, not do a lot, and be really interesting. I think you know, like like the the couple. Of, you know, obviously the main comparison that people think about is Marlon Brando and on the right. waterfront, that kind sure, of like I can see that methody sort of thing. But he's just, and I don't know if that's you know, it's, it's probably a little cliche to, to compare him to Brando, but he's kind of just got this like classic masculine sort of energy where he can just sit silently in a room and be menacing or be endearing. You know, he's just got this presence, which I think is really important. Um, yeah. Animal Kingdom is a really good example of that. I believe that's one of your top films of the last 10 years. I've said it many times, but yes. I, I think you should stop what you're doing and watch that movie. I watch Animal Kingdom. Animal, I, I would. There's my, a lot of caveats to this podcast right now because you want them to stop to watch Animal Kingdom. You want them to stop to watch these other short films. Like, can they just enjoy? What if they're on their train going? And they just want to listen to our voices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Well, listen. Stop what you're doing. Get off the train. If you're on an elevated track, jump off. Do what you need to do. Get to. Get to a DVD store and get Animal Kingdom. No, a Animal DVD Ki- store. A DVD store. Listen, thanks to here from 2007. <laughs> um, Animal Kingdom. Uh, look, it wasn't super well received in the, in the U.S. Though people did think it was good. I would, to me, I think that movie is as good as The Godfather was in its day. I really love uh, Animal Kingdom. I think it's so good. A high pedigree. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So enough about other movies you like. <laughs> Let's talk about if you like this movie, The Gift. Yes. I. I thought this was awesome okay i thought it was excellent i thought i had a i had a lot of fun in this movie that's the that's the short review if all you came to hear was the short review right go see this movie yeah. i think it's awesome i agree i was pleasantly surprised i'm not normally i've kind of gotten off a couple different bandwagons and i've tried getting on them again i've gotten off the horror bandwagon a lot mm-hmm. i know a lot of my friends still dig a ton of horror movies and i respect horror movies but there haven't been much that like there hasn't been much as I said that that really grabs me lately in that sense. Now this movie uh, was marketed sort of as like a thriller slash murdery sort of thing, mm, yeah. And it takes a lot of tropes, and we'll get into it later when we get to spoiler territory, which we're not at yet. Yeah. But like it takes a lot of tropes and flips them on their head, then flips them on their head again, and it becomes, in my opinion, and and very artfully and very. Uh, I, I'm thankful that it does. It becomes like three different genres. Yeah. And, and 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 at that point, when you get your film to work in three different genres, it's no longer a genre. And I don't even know what to call it. It's just, it's, it, it was so nice because I feel like a lot of times um, the advertising for a film ruins it. You stopped watching a lot of trailers. Yeah. I still do. But like, you know, the classic example is Terminator 2 sure. and they gave away that Arnold is the good guy this time. And yeah. you, when you watch it thinking like, oh, let's watch and see when they give this away. It's not till a third of the movie. Like you don't know who's good. The cop could be good. Yeah. And this movie they they do an amazing thing with the advertising. And did you watch the trailer for this or no? I, I watched it 
I think I saw one trailer, okay. which is why I knew about the movie. Yeah. yeah. So so they do this one twist where like you know one of the characters you're like oh that's the bad guy and then the other one and then it does this like twist in the trailer where you're like oh there's something going on with the other guy like oh man yeah like so you think that's a twist but you're kind of disappointed because you're like well you just gave away your damn movie's punchline yeah this movie's got like four other ones yeah. after that so it's, and it's, it was so nice that the story was complicated enough that they couldn't possibly give away all the shit in it yeah but still could give you that one twist in the trailer and it didn't ruin anything. I thought I, I, it was just a very nice cohesion of all of those things, and I appreciated it. So why, why don't we back up one second here? And, and you know, because we both said we like the movie. We sure. thought it was really well marketed. But what's it about? Uh, <laughs> so the the gift is about a gentleman. Um, who's the main guy? I always forget his name. Uh, uh, Jason, Bateman. Jason Bateman. So this, yeah, uses Jason Bateman in a really interesting way. Yeah, but they use him. We'll, we'll get into that, but we'll get into sort of his performance. Jason Bateman and his wife, Robin, played by... Uh, Rebecca Hall. Yep. Uh, move into a new house in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. I think, right? Yep. Uh, I only know that because I play Grand Theft Auto, and their house looks like the hills <laughs> in that. Um, but uh, they move into this wonderful glass house. It's a <laughs> giant, like, modern deco. Not deco. Uh, I don't <laughs> even know what the style is. But, you know, those boxy glass houses. Yeah, it's houses. a Frank Lloyd Wright sort right. of it's, thing. It's all of those houses you see, like, uh, pretentious tech startup people living in in movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they move here for a new job and all this stuff. And it's actually the dude's, uh, Jason Bateman's hometown, his character's hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, uh, when they're prepping through all of their things, they run into an old classmate from high school. Um, played, Gordo. Gordo. Yeah, pl- played by uh, j- uh, writer and director Joel Edgerton. Right. And, uh, you know, everything seems sort of innocuous if you didn't, it would seem innocuous if you didn't know what was coming. Uh, and he starts bringing them uh, random gifts at their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the title is <laughs> is so inclined, and uh, it, they get weirder and weirder, and it gets to that point where uh, they're like, "Oh, this there might be something wrong with this dude." And and Jason Bateman's character is more is more <laughs> weirded out by him than Robin is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then things start taking weird fucking turns, and they they almost have to do at, at a midpoint in the film. Uh, and I think they said they do this in the trailer. They kind of do one of those like friendship breakup things with yeah. them because it's just one of those friendships. And we've all, I feel like we've all sort of been in, in a, not a, as dangerous situation, but a, a socially awkward situation. This really, this film really taps into that thing that I think most people can experience when you, when you're interacting with someone that's completely nice yeah. Um, and there's nothing surface wrong, but you get sort of a feeling that the, either the relationship, or the friendship isn't, isn't forming naturally and it's yeah. being very forced yeah uh by by standard social convention yeah uh which most of us run on uh you just sort of get an uneasy feeling about the entire thing even if there's no malice at all behind it and this film does a really great job of making you the audience especially in the first half sort of be like okay is this in jason bateman's character's head and yeah. is this guy just a nice socially awkward army vet yeah or is there really something twisted with this dude and is are his you know Jason Bateman's fears sort of justified? Yeah, and I, and I think Joel Edgerton as an actor does a really good job. Oh, he of, rides the line, great. Yeah, he just he rides that line so well, where he's nice enough and pleasant enough and soft spoken and gentle and kind of just a, a you know like a, a very sort of comforting screen presence. But he also has a look on his face. Yeah, but then but then he rides that line so where he's sympathetic. As well as being menacing, you know, like you kind of like, you know, and and this film really uses the um, 
the the blue th- <laughs> personality of uh, of uh, of Jason Bateman. Uh, what was his character's name in recent development? Uh, oh, uh, 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 the. The, the son, the yeah, son. The, the, the one son, the blue son. Uh, he uses that kind of like slightly swarmy, slightly smug. Well, okay, buddy. I mean, we're going to do it, but if you want to do it that way, I guess that's fine. I mean, we could, whatever. Hey, you know, it's up to you. It's totally up to you. Like that yeah, sort of. Slightly smug yeah. sort of thing. And it it like plays these two characters against each other where, where on the one hand, you completely get why Jason Bateman's character, Simon, Simon right. says, yep. uh, would be a little bit uncomfortable with this dude. Cause it is like, it's this is annoying guy kind of just hanging mm-hmm. out and you don't really have anything in common anymore. Constantly you, coming to your house when you're not home to visit your wife. Yeah. And it's like, you know, initially Simon is just kind of being polite by saying, Hey, yeah, we'll meet up sometime. Yep. And, and you know, like it's one of those things where you go, Oh yeah, yeah we'll meet up sometime. Never expecting to ever like take up on it. And yeah, Gordo yeah, yeah. immediately gets in touch and immediately starts mm-hmm. crossing that line. Um, and, and so you're, you're on Simon's side with that, you know, you're on Simon's side thinking, well, yeah, this dude is kind of creepy, Yeah. but then, yeah, as you say, this film isn't just the hand that rocks the cradle or, or something like that, where there is a different, a different antagonist and a different protagonist. It, it rides that line for a little while, then it kind of switches things up and then switches it up again and switches it up again. And it's a, re- it does a really nice, elegant job of of holding your interest and then pulling the rug out from under you at the right moment. It does something that I think a lot of good films have in common <laughs> with it and it doesn't have a, throughout the entire thing it doesn't have what I would consider a villain. Yeah. Yeah, it's it a has, smart it has what what I what I <laughs> would simply say is it has people yeah. and some of the people in it are fucked up. Yeah. But they're not like the villain. There's no like oh you're the bad guy like Yeah. In fact even even the most innocent quote unquote of characters being Robin, uh, what's her, what's her? Uh, Rebecca Hall, the Rebecca actress. Hall, uh, you know she has some some uh, baggage. She's some got baggage, baggage, yeah, some human baggage. So yeah. she's not just the innocent, uh, like slightly quiet, you know, woman character in this <laughs> film. She she's has a lot of depth and a little darkness to her as yeah. well. So it's just. Uh, I, it's very elegantly done. Yeah. You know? And and what I like too, and it wasn't just like, oh, Jason Bateman's the man character really doesn't like him because he's weird. And she mm. and she likes him because she's a woman. They didn't like kind of do that. The reason why she was sort of, well, there was two reasons. One, mm. they moved out to LA for Jason Bateman's job. So mm. she's left alone in this house all day. Yeah. So it's kind of, it, when someone comes over, it's kind of, you know. And she says a couple different times that she has had problems with interaction and has been socially awkward due to some other stuff that they yeah. get into. So she can kind of relate as a character to Gordo yeah. being quiet and sort of reserved and a little odd because she, I think, in every scene where she's like with Jason Bateman's work friends and all that stuff, nine times out of 10, she looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's, she has social anxiety. Yeah. And you can imagine like in a, in a past life when the, if these kids characters were all in college or high school or grade school or whatever, you could, you could imagine her and Gordo potentially being friends. Sure. sure. And that's what, and again, that's what's it's smart casting and it's smart writing. Um, you know, I, and I think that the thing that got me excited about this movie was, uh, when I saw it in a theater, the audience reaction was really palpable. Yeah. You, you, it'd been a while for that for me. Yeah. It's, it's been a while for me as well. And it was, it was this thing where you really felt 
the audience was leaning in and like really getting absorbed. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple sitting next to us who were clearly on a first date, maybe a oh, Tinder date or something yeah. like that. And they were talking, you know, like I was over here listening to the conversation beginning it was kind of awkward. And, and it was, you know, you could tell these two were kind of on different ways. Get ready for an awkward <laughs> walk home, kids. Yeah, I know. And then, but you could see as the film went on, both of them kind of just almost forgot that they were on the oh, date yeah. and were yeah, just yeah. really into the movie. We had a wonderful group of uh, probably 40 or 50 year old women behind us. Right. And uh, they screamed once. Yep. yep. At, at a perfect moment. Yeah. And the whole. I know theater, the moment as well. A lot of people sort of screamed in the thing and I jumped. But then everyone in the theater just had that communal like laugh about, yeah, yeah. about screaming. Hey, it's OK. And this is because, well, you know, the thing about that scream is it's a really cliche kind of yeah. moment. It's like yep. it's not it's there's nothing innovative about it. No, but. It's, it's the only cliche scare, I would say, in yeah, the movie. But but it well, but it, with the exception of one other part. Of me. But it but it comes, it, it's it it's perfectly correct for the characters in that scene. Sure. So so even though it, like in a lesser film where we didn't care about the characters, that that scene wouldn't work. Right. But because we care about the characters and because we're feeling really uneasy at this moment, yeah, yeah. it really like it lands. Yeah. It lands really well. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that, that was the thing for me. Cause I, you know, uh, and I'm going to do this thing that I always do to you. Oh, good. <laughs> Which is that, you know, we go to see superhero movies and that sort of thing. And, you know, like we you go know, to, not then, everything has to be about superhero movies. I, I, and, and you go to big action movies and like, you just, it's, it just kind of washes over you. Whereas with this, what I was really enjoying was that I was engaged, you know, like I was, I was into it. I really wanted to see where this was going. I'm, I, now I'm going to do what I always do <laughs> when you say this sort of shit and say, just cause you were engaged in a film doesn't mean other members of the audience were and I can go back to the <laughs> Avengers and even <laughs> Avengers 2 people actually have visceral responses to what's going on on screen granted it's not screams yeah. but it's cheering yeah. and it's like like it's very sort of it's emotive but it, it, it there's a there's this kind of and I want to call it the lean in factor and I'm not talking about Cheryl Sandberg's book. I'm just I'm just talking about just people just leaning Listen in. To you highbrow. <laughs> Cheryl Sandberg is yeah, highbrow. Yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> um, she, this, this is this lean in. You know, people just leaning sure. in and like and taking well, in the it's film. Quieter. It's a quieter film. It's it's a, a, it's, a, it's a it's a less in your face film. So when you <laughs> get into it, I do feel like you do have more of that. Like oh, I'm gonna kind of get close. Okay. Yeah, but you, it's entertaining as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it's no, really not, entertaining. I'm not saying it's it's. It's it's not entertaining. I'm saying it's slower than Avengers, which a yeah. lot of great films are slower than Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, let's 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 sidestep a little bit. Uh, I mean, to me, the reason I also love this film is it's kind of in my wheelhouse of of a, you know of the thriller that I like. We mentioned horror films earlier before, yeah. but the funny thing is, this is this is much more of a psychological thriller yeah, yeah. than a horror film. Yeah. Um, it, it, I've kind it, of sort of started to marry the two in my brain. Cause there, cause, and this is why there hasn't been a good thriller yeah. movie. I'm trying to think of a good thriller movie that wasn't all downright turned into a gore fest. Like uh, they, uh, what was the one with the animal masks recently? Oh, you're next. You're next. That yeah, was I've, close, but then, it turns into murder fest by the end. And, yeah. The other film I really like in comparison to this was Stoker. I didn't see that. No. Uh, Stoker, I think, is a really good. Uh, when was that? Do you uh, know? 
What was that? When, when was that? It was last year. Oh, last year. Okay. Yeah, then, the Chunwook Park film. Sure. Um, Maybe I'm just not looking hard enough then. <laughs> and then the other, uh, uh, you know, but this kind of reminds me of films like The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Fatal Attraction, right. Single and those White are, That was all a, a moment in time. Yeah. And there haven't been things like that in the popular zeitgeist in a long time, in my opinion. Yeah, no. And, and the unfortunate thing about The Gift, I think, is that although it's made money and it's done really well, I don't think it's captured popular imagination. It's no. not People aren't talking about this movie. No. Um, in fact, I tweeted about this movie uh, right after I saw it and someone in New Zealand pointed out to me that it's actually been uh, like it's it's not going to be distributed in New Zealand. Oh wow. Which is like, you know, like it's it, it hasn't even got that kind of yeah, leverage. Yeah, of course, but I mean it's good that that us being the only podcast about, about movies. movies that we take our very valuable time and talk about it because it's a film that should be talked about and and no one else is. No, I I, I mean I I haven't found another podcast talking about it and what? that is a, that's the honest truth. What um, oh what mine is not the honest. <laughs> um, maybe I'm looking at the wrong places because there are no other movie podcasts. Oh. But but also um, you know it obviously. Edgerton talks about Hitchcock being a primary influence, and I think, you know, you can certainly see shades of Shadow of a Doubt and Rear Window, maybe even Orson Welles' film, The Stranger, in this, uh, which is kind of Hitchcockian as well. Um, but, there, you know, that, that kind of popular... Hitchcock psychological thriller isn't, hasn't been around, right. you know, like it isn't, it isn't the mainstay, you know, arguably the mainstay of modern cinema right now is superhero movies. Sure. Right. That, that is the, that is the thing that people are lining right. up to see. But there was a time, there was a time when Alfred Hitchcock was at the, at the height of his powers, when the popular mainstay movie was Psycho. You know, it was Psycho, it was Rear Window, it was Vertigo. Mm -hmm. You know, those were the big movies of the time. And it's like, sure. Uh, what I like about this film is that it harkens back to that. And I think even if the film doesn't get a popular, you know, popular, uh, it doesn't uh, enter into the popular zeitgeist, people right. aren't talking about it that much. I feel like everyone who goes to see this movie really enjoys it and really talks about it afterwards. Yeah, because it gives you something, it gives you, it gives you two different things. It gives you something you're expecting and then it gives you something that you're absolutely not expecting, but is also welcome. Yeah. So like, th and that doesn't happen in this day and age where every movie is ripped apart, like three months before it's released online and doing all, even lower, I mean, I mean, even things that I would put in this sort of category of of popular or or mm. level of popularity, still a lot of times get ruined. Yeah. By by casting announcements and this thing and that thing, and you'll never believe what happened here. Like it's all these sort. It's <laughs> this the, this film completely flew under flew I under know, the radar, and I feel like it's better for it. Yeah, it it really is. And so and so if the if anything, if you're gonna you know uh, listen to this podcast, go check out this movie because you know don't watch the trailer, go check it out. Um, I really think, and, and you know, like we we've tried with uh, with smaller films as well, like White God and sure. uh, Pigeon. You know, where where we have to temper our recommendation there with, which is that if you're into those kinds of films, sure. you might enjoy this. Sure, I think everyone listening to this podcast will enjoy this film. Yeah, I I can't picture unless. Uh, unless you don't no, you would I'm trying to think of the, the person that would not like this I mean the only thing I would say is it's a very adult film yeah uh, it's, I mean, themed, it's definitely not for kids it's not, it's not for kids but it's also it it deals with um, sexuality in an interesting way yep. it, it, it it doesn't pull its punches reg uh, with regard to um, dealing with domestic violence, nope. with sexual abuse, with uh, with any of those things. So, so maybe Mis miscarriages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so it's 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 a grown up film. Yes. Um. So if 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 that's not the thing you're into, if if you want to go to the movie to escape and not talk about those kinds of issues, maybe this film's not for you. Right. 
But I think if you're a movie-going person who enjoys a, a good time at the cinema, this is a good time at the cinema. Right. Um, uh, so, so here is where we'll probably start talking about spoilers. So if you don't like that, uh, please stop uh, and go do whatever you have to do. Go see the movie and then come back to us. We'll wait. Okay. Hi. Hello. We're hey. back. We waited so long for you. It's it's funny because we tipped we were tiptoeing around the story a lot, you know. But now right. now that we're talking about spoilers, we can really get now into now that them. we're back. And everyone else who was waiting for you, listener, uh, is totally fine with waiting. It, it builds up the anticipation. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, how do you want to tackle this first? There's a lot to sort of break down. Do you want to go in sort of chronological order from where we where we left the baseline okay. story? So we, we left the baseline story with this notion that Gordo, he ingratiates himself with Simon and uh, his wife, uh, Robin. Robin. Yeah. Uh, and then and and obviously that's only going to go one way because Gore, uh, Simon's not not having a bar of this. So. So Simon and and Robin have a kind of fake breakup. Well, you know, a, a, a friendship breakup with him. Right. And well, that- actually, let's let's even back up before then. So things things get a little bit weird. So they do a couple different things. Like Gordo keeps coming over to Simon and Robin's house. Yeah. Like two or three, or they have like he stays for dinner and he does whatever. And then Gordo, when when things start to get a little, oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, Gordo's over one day when when Simon's at work, and Simon has already started feeling like there's something wrong with Gordo, and he crosses out Gordo's name on a whiteboard and writes weirdo. Yeah, which is what I guess they used to call him in high school was Gordo yeah. the weirdo. Yeah, which is there's a lot of weird sort of children names in this. Yeah. We feel more middle schooly than high schooly. That's actually probably the only mark I'd give this thing. I'm like, this, all these yeah. nicknames are a little bit forced. Yeah. Cause like Simon's was Simon says, or Simon, what, yeah, you know, yeah. simple Simon or whatever the hell it was. So Gordo in his interactions with him himself and Robin sees that this is written on the whiteboard and kind of freaks out and leaves abruptly. Yeah. Uh, and then they think it's kind of over, but then he, they get invited to Gordo's house for dinner. Yeah. And they show up at Gordo's house and Gordo's house is nicer than their house. Yeah. Like Gordo is in this thing. And so far, all he said is he did two tours in Afghanistan and he's kind of messed up. Uh, he doesn't say what he does. And he gets there and like there was a the, you know, another couple was supposed to come. And then Gordo's like, oh, they canceled last minute. That's yeah. crazy. Um, and then Gordo has to leave real quick uh, to uh, take a work call, quote unquote. And they leave. He leaves Simon and Robin alone in the house. Mm. And because Simon's kind of a dick at this point, and kind of wants to end this anyway. He does this whole diatribe scene about like, he's like talking about being very crass. He's like, Oh, he wants to fuck you mm-hmm. his wife and blah, blah, blah. And he's like joking around and like pretending to be Gordo. Then what a, like, what a great, cause that scene plays so badly when you watch it the first time you think, Oh God, you are such a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And, this is the first time in the movie. Yeah. You've gotten hints that, that Jason Bateman's character is a dick, but this is the first time where you're like, Oh fuck off dude. Yeah. So, so then they like explore the house and they find a couple different things. They find like, <laughs> Uh, Gordo said he wasn't married and they go into a closet and there's women's clothing like oh that's weird then they go and there's a kid's room yeah and they're like he has kids like what Mm -hmm. the hell Um, and then so Gordo finally comes back and they run downstairs and I forget how it is they like oh yeah they like oh yeah Gordo's like oh yeah I took care of everything and Jason Bateman's like oh yeah uh, you never told us like what do you do like for work and he tries to dance around it and then there's this moment where Gordo kind of like gets dead faced for a second. He's like, I'm afraid you've caught me in a lie. Yeah. And you're like, Oh fuck shit's going down. And then he goes on to tell the story 
uh, about about like how how that was actually his ex wife and this is their house and he he has to leave but she's away on business and she took the kids and like all this stuff and it's all super believable and you're just like oh fuck like okay and so you start feeling bad for Gordo but but uh, Simon is there and he's there with a purpose yeah so he tells Robin to leave and he basically friend breaks up with Gordo yeah and it's it's a great breakup because. It's painful to watch yeah. from both sides. Yep. You know, like it's really you're like you're you're on Simon's side where you're like, I just gotta get through this, I gotta get this done. And then you're on Gordo's side, which is like, oh God, I've really put myself in a really bad situation yep. here. Yep. Um and then the film takes its start it starts to take its thriller turns right. where Gordo Gordo becomes kind of like the single white female character. He's starting to he kind of seems to stalk uh, the couple from now on, um, even to the point of potentially stealing their dog, Mr. Bojangles. Yeah. And maybe killing the fish that he gave them for their core, their koi but, bond. So, so here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, we could talk exactly in detail about the plot, but let's, let's jump right to the end. Sure. So, so the, the, again, this film does that great thing that I love in film, in good writing, which is that it's building to a really succinct ending point and it ends it doesn't you know like the the old rule of screenwriting is uh uh come to a crescendo and then fade out and you know and and walk you know so the movie kind of hits its highest point and then everyone kind of like resolves yep. and then walks away yep. this is a film that hits its high point and then cuts the black right you know and and i you know like um i'm thinking animal kingdom actually does this as well oh uh, does it yeah uh seven you know is a really good example yeah. of a yeah, film yeah, yeah. that does that i i you know I, I even arguably the godfather you know films that really have like a moment that they're working towards. And this film really is working towards this one moment. Um, and it, and the thing was, I was with my wife, Shivali, and she actually spotted this moment probably about 30 minutes before the movie was finished, it, mm. before it came to an end. She, she spotted it really early to the point where she actually leaned over to me and, and told me what she thought the ending was. Right. And, and I was like, wait, what? And I, and I, and I really just, I, I, I was maybe slow in the uptake, but I really wasn't even thinking that far. No, I didn't think that far. I I probably got the twist. Maybe it was before the last set of gifts that I understood what was. Yeah. You, and the thing is, is the, the ending, you know, um, without, I know we, we can give it away now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, the, they build up that ending. But hold on. Before we do give away the ending, sorry to sort of break away the thing. We should probably just touch a little bit more on sort of what happens to Jason Bateman's character without going through, because otherwise it doesn't Mm. sort of have the weight. Right. So what you learn is that Jason Bateman's role in Gordo's life when he was younger might not have been just just friendly. Gore, uh, he was basically a bully and a tormentor to the kid. When, yeah. And he actually fucked up his life pretty bad. And we don't even need to get into how, but just so there's a little bit of mystery left if you possibly <laughs> haven't won it. Well, no, they, we're, we're assuming they've watched the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, it, he just was a fucking asshole and, and really sort of ruined a lot of his life. <laughs> and, um... And the the fact that he didn't tell that Simon didn't tell Robin that when he ran into him and like even there's a note one time Gordo leaves like I thought bygones could be bygones and Simon's like oh I don't know what that means yeah and you're kind of getting chinks in Simon's armor over and over again that this dude is just this manipulative fucking bully he even goes so far to get a promotion he like finds out like the other dude who's up for the promotion at his new job and like basically basically does a smear campaign with him through these emails to their yeah. higher ups. And and so basically you're finding out that he that Simon is just this manipulative fucker. And I, I will I will admit that I, I found if there was any weak point in the film, I, I found that that whole story with his work where he 
was uh, basically uh, spying on his uh, potential um, work um, nemesis, you know, sure. the person who's going for a promotion at the same time as him. Uh, I found that not not weak, but just kind of convenient for the story because it's basically saying that the the, the point that they're trying to get across there is that Simon hasn't changed since he was younger. He's still he's still the same guy. You know, he's still he's still sure. that manipulative, and it's it's kind of an extreme example. I, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I just think it's 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 one of those like writing conveniences that he does that. Um, I don't think I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with mm-hmm. you on that. I think it actually really solidified for me my opinion of him. No matter who is oh, yeah, quote yeah. unquote sort of being the again not mm-hmm. there's no real bad guy, but like who am I sort of rooting for in this film? No, no, and and, and that's the thing. I agree that it, that it works. It does what it's supposed to do, but it just feels a little writerly convenient. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I mean, they. So, let's just back up some sort of term because we have the time to do it. This sort of terminology of, of writer convenience. Yeah. Uh, a moment of writer convenience for me is something that like that they don't really set up, but like, okay, so like situations are set up. Like if yeah. they had just never brought up his work a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And no, then you're all right. Of a you're right. They do that. set it up. They keep going back to his work. There's a sort of sub subplot of his work that they keep talking about. There's yeah. a progression of time. They set it up and they never had to go that direction, but they did. They sort of earned that setup, which mm-hmm. I don't consider writers convenience. That the writer worked for that moment to sort you're, of be you're, there. You're, you're right. And it, and it is dismissive to call it writerly convenience, but I will, will say the 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 point that it's making is because because in essence what happens here is Simon does the same thing to this coworker that he did to Gordo when he was younger and we so we're basically saying 20 or 35 years from now on he's running the same shit he's doing the exact same thing that's very important and and it is but it's it's kind i think there would be a a more elegant way to kind of suggest that he's the same that he's the same kind of manipulator like this is saying he like the the kind of manipulation he runs there suggests that his marriage to to Robin could equally be as fraudulent. You know, like he seems like right. You know, like it's sure. so fraudulent that it's like uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if he had files in his cabinet. But he already, on Robin, you've already but you've mm. already sort of seen all. He already had like they, at mm. this point in the movie they've gone through the, his like filing cabinet. Robin sort of snoops and goes through and finds yeah. all this stuff. About Gordo, about about uh, about, about the about coworker, the, the coworker. Yeah, uh, I think his name is Daniel something. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but like I, again, I mean, I don't want to harp on this too much. I just and, think- and well, the appearance of Daniel, the I think his name is Daniel, yeah. but the coworker makes an appearance and like attacks them, and he and he has a very Gordo like appearance and and behavior. It just it strikes me as slightly too analogous, and like I didn't f- see him looking like Gordo at all. Actually. I just, he kind of he had like glasses. He, he was, was kind of meek, build. you know, like he was kind of meek. No, he was and, like office meek. Gordo's not office meek. Go, Gordo's like there's a scene where 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 Simon beats up Gordo you know, uh, in a parking garage and you can kind of see the same kind of meekness that, that causes ah, that. It, it is unfortunate that, that Joel Edgerton is not a scrawny kind of dude, you know, like he is kind of like, you know, like in any, in the right lighting, you could see him as a leading man kind of character. So it's that, it's that unfortunate thing, which is that he's not kind of like, he doesn't have a meek presence. Sure. Um, but, but uh, like I say, I think that moment works and it's earned i just feel like it's a little too 
rightly, yeah, maybe, you know, the phrase I'm still using is rightly convenient. I'm trying to, you know, and, and in my brain, I'm trying to think of like, a I'm now. just trying to think, I'm like, because I mean, I, I find when like characters randomly show up places where they're exactly where they need to be, like in action movies, that's writer's convenience. Yeah, because and, and the just one, because the character's nowhere else, he can be right there. The, the one I'm thinking of is Spider-Man 2 when like Spider-Man loses his powers and then suddenly walks outside of a burning building. You know, like oh, sure, yeah, yeah no, that, writers' that, convenience. That's yes. a writers' but convenience that, moment. But that's that's exactly right. This is not that. No, this is not that. Yeah, I'm the, trying to think of what you're unhappy about and how they could have made it better. I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I like the writing. I just feel that the, that the, that the action is very is so similar. You know, given that it's 35 years apart, it makes the, it makes. It doesn't. It doesn't offer nuance to to Simon's bullying. You know, you like also though at that moment, don't know the full story with Gordo and what Simon did in the past yet. Right. You don't know that. So this is something that's sort of a little bit farther than we've seen Simon go at this point. Yeah. But it's also believable, and it's set up in a way where why would this guy be freaking out so earnestly if it wasn't true? Right. Then you start doubting him. That's what kind of makes Robin start digging through his files finding out that he has a file on Gordo, talking to Simon's sister at a family gathering, going to one of Simon's friends who the sister said was involved with the whole but mess. Don't you think that that it's unusual for her to have not like picked up this vibe up until this point, you know, like she's married to the guy and he's, and he's, well, I think and this, like everyone I, around him seems to know that he's a manipulator. I think the, 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 this, um, this actually, <laughs> this story touches on something very interesting about humans, I think. And this is a little bit of a sidestep, but I'm going to, it's going <laughs> to sort of yeah, answer yeah. sort of what you're, what you're talking about. I don't know how it is for you. And especially you just came back from New Zealand. You came back from <laughs> where you're from. <laughs> I'm, I'm a diff I'm a slightly different person. I feel like I'm more like high school me. Yeah. When I'm back in New Hampshire at home, right. dealing with people that I knew back then, uh, then when I'm here, I do feel like I'm a slightly different person. Mm. When I'm talking to my father, even yeah. my my girlfriend, uh, also named Robin, uh, <laughs> she's told me uh in the past that my voice changes. I right. start dropping into more of my New Hampshire, Massachusetts, like, sure. like sort of draw. So like you get into sort of behavior and speech patterns, depending on where you are with people in your life. I become a high schooler version of me when I'm home. Yeah. Granted, this is an extreme version of that, but I could totally see why the character Robin, not yeah. my girlfriend, Robin, yeah. the character Robin could totally in uh, Chicago or wherever they were from beforehand. Yeah. Uh, Simon there could have been a whole different Simon, but you bring that person back. You start having interactions with people that you probably, even if you caused it, had bad times with. Right. You're going to start sort of becoming a little bit of who, and again, this is an extreme version, yeah. but you're going to start having traits of who you were. So even if he cleaned himself up entirely, coming back, having all this sort of thrown in his sort of, again, every character in this movie is kind of broken, in Simon's broken face, that yeah. kind of could get him sort of back into this, like, well, it worked with Gordo, like, I'm going to do it like this. Da, 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 da. Right, right. I, I, I don't think it's that per se. I think the suggestion with the way this is set up is that the, that what he's doing at work has nothing to do with Gordo. Like it is just what he would do, and and even there's a suggestion that that he's done this before, right? Like he has files before, and he's done this to someone else as well. Oh, maybe you know, like his, his entire. But, but here's the thing: his I, ascension through the through his not, company. It's not necessarily. <laughs> uh, it's not necessarily that he 
I think it, even if it just goes like he, I could see him hiding that aspect of himself yeah. in a completely alien environment with this woman who's never been home with him. Yeah. And then once he's home, these things start to become a little more apparent and a little clearer. I, I could and buy then that. Then that's sort of the 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 straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak. And mm. then she starts digging. Like maybe mm. this guy isn't the dude that I thought he was when yeah. I married him. And again, my 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 nitpicking is that I I only and maybe because I am a writer, I kind of saw that as slightly, just slightly weaker than everything else. Like everything else is really, really had me at every turn. And I, and that moment kind of was like, felt to me slightly writerly. Um, but that's not to say it's bad writing. It's very good writing. It's excellent writing. I didn't really have that problem, but agree to disagree. (laughs) Agree to disagree. But then, um, uh, the thing, the thing that I thought was really, um, interesting about this, and this is going to be another long side note, but no, but if if anyone listens to NPR's Planet Money, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure we share an audience with NPR's yeah. Planet Money, yeah, it's, uh, economics and and movie going, um, there uh, NPR did a story that today called the the scariest thing in Hollywood about uh, Bloomhouse Pictures, which is the company that produced the gift. And sure. Bloomhouse Pictures is famous for a couple of films. One is uh, Paranormal Activity. Uh, the Purge is another one. I think Insidious, uh, maybe even The Conjuring. I as well. really want them to do something cool with the purge i i haven't seen I, the purge. there was a sequel right there was a sequel did yeah that one a- anarchy i think it i think it did gangbusters at the at the at the uh, cinema but but it didn't it wasn't a bitter film the first purge <laughs> i just real quick sorry to tangent off your tangent the first purge <laughs> i didn't see but i heard it didn't deliver like it set up a great world but then stayed in the fucking house yeah and the second one i heard they went out in the world but then i didn't hear good or bad about it well the the reason i was bringing this up was that uh bloom uh daniel bloom uh jason bloom uh, on NPR's uh, Planet Money, talked about his three rules for making cheap movies. So, so uh, Bloomhouse is, uh, is kind of a phenomenon. If you look at the top-grossing movies of the last ten years, they're horror movies, and and Jason Bloom's Bloomhouse films has sure. like five of them on the list. Um, and and Paranormal Activity is, I think, the highest-grossing film uh, return on investment ever made. The film cost fifteen thousand dollars for from Bloomberg and and uh, from Bloomhouse and made uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and his rules are don't pay extras too much. Uh, you know, like don't have extras talk in your, in your, in your film because you'll have to pay them. So that's, that's kind of funny. And I think that probably applies in this sure. film. Um, and the second one was try to stick to one or just a handful of locations. And you can certainly see that in paranormal activity insidious, the conjuring, and certainly this film. Right. Um, because you know, switching locations is difficult, but what's cool about this film is that location becomes, and it's you know, it's cliche to say it, but the location becomes a character in the film. And I think it's not necessarily a character, but the location is a perfect metaphor. And it's a it's a trite. Yeah, I'll go metaphor. I yeah. won't go character. It's a trite metaphor, but it's those in uh, if you if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. And that's essentially what the, the this film is. Right. You know, like you're in a glass house and stones get thrown. Yep. Um. So I really like that sort of taking a, a budgetary restriction and making it central right. to the you know to to what this film is about. And I you know what this is something just sort of what you're going off of if this if this production house is really doing this like they're really killing it uh, and I in a good way. Uh it's nice to see sort of and I'm not saying every list movie on that list is a good movie in my opinion. Yeah. I'm saying it's nice to see really good films like The Gift being made by a production company that 
is really only in it to make money. Yeah. Like, do you get what I'm saying? So, like, it's <clears throat> nice that the the money makers and the filmmakers have found in a lot of spots with this company sort of yeah. this odd synergy. When normally, when a when a production company is like, we're all about the money and da 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 da, yeah. it destroys films. Yeah. And they've seemed to find a way to sort of make the the. Uh, the artist happy along with the banker. And I think that's something that's, that should be sort of uh, praised in a weird yeah, way. Yeah. Like think... you're, you're taking the best, you're taking the best of both worlds and kind of throwing out the worst or making the worst sort of work together. Well, I, I will sort of, uh, uh, temper this with the fact that they talk about the fact that they're, uh, they're willing to have 20 films on their slate and willing to accept that, Three or four of them will be really successful, and seventeen or sixteen, sixteen or seventeen will will completely fail. Sure, but and, but again, that's fine. Yeah, and and it's great for a film like. In fact, one of the oddities in Bloomhouse's um, slate of films is Whiplash. Whiplash was on their film. Oh wow! And, and you know they produced Whiplash, wow. and it did really well critically. Oops! But they said, you know, the uh, uh, Jason Bloom said, look, we're not going to be making Whiplashes for the rest of our, you know, yeah. like that was a, that was a great fluke. We liked it, and it worked out. But, you know, we want to make movies that make money. And I, uh, what's great about um, The Gift is, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, going by Box Office Mojo, it made $42 million as of September 13th okay. on a budget of $5 million. That's so, great. you know, that's, 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 that's a better return on investment than most sure. big action uh, superhero movies or anything like that. Um, it's just a shame that it, it hasn't entered the cultural zeitgeist like we've been talking about, but it's, 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 you know the 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 things for me that are really positive about this is that I had a great time in the theater again. Sure. You know, seeing it with an audience really, you know, enhanced the experience. And I think it's a great platform. Um, it, it really showed me that uh, Joel Edgerton, the the writer director, right. is a filmmaker I really want to look out for. Yeah. Because you know, of the Blue Tongue Collective, he's always kind of been the actor and the producer. So he's sure. been associated with the films. He, he's a writer. He's been he's written with those other films mm-hmm. as well, but he's never like struck me as the as the writer director. David Michaud, uh, you know, of Animal Kingdom, is kind of the right. guy. Um, so, so, uh, Joel Edgerton, the writer director, I'm really interested in seeing what he does next. So, um, well, kind of what he's doing next is black mass. Yeah. He's in which, black mass, which right? We're going to hopefully talk about next uh, hopefully week. This I, I want to see, I want to see that in uh, Cicero. I saw a screener. <laughs> um, but, uh, he was actually, uh, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton. Yeah. Edgerton was actually at the screening that I saw and he did a Q and a, yeah. and, uh, he, uh, he was just super, <sighs> It was weird because there was a moment, and I, again, I got to credit Robin, my girlfriend, not mm. Robin, the character that he may or may not try to do horrible things to in The Gift. Uh, <laughs> she asked him a question, and I, I wish I remembered exactly what it was, yeah. but it was about sort of getting ready for character building or something, but it wasn't as trite as that. It was sort of, it was just a very a good question from my yeah. girlfriend. And you could see- Good save, bro. You, no, no, no. <laughs> you could see in in Joel's sort of eyes, like they were kind of glassed over from the last two questions. Yeah. And then he actually, like you could see, he was like- Oh, I'm thinking of an answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, okay. And he kind of did that, yeah, okay moment and then yeah. sort of talked about it. And when he was answering the question, when he was actually thinking about it, not just being like, yeah, it was a great working with Johnny Depp. Like, mm. he, he, you could see that this dude is like, he's fucking legit. He's the real oh, deal. Yeah. And I, and, you know, it was nice to sort of just 
have him. And then another question did it too. It wasn't just Robbins, but like he got kind of shaken out of his sort of Q and a stupor, which you can't blame any of these people for being in. They've done this four times that day. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Oh, well, here we go. I mean, I I think his presence on screen strikes me as legit. It's it's just, uh, I guess for me, the thing that I is going to be interesting is that, and I don't even know if he wants to do this, but you know, if he can transition into leading man, he's got the looks of a leading man, you know, he could sit and he's got, the actor chops of a leading man. Right. But, but, but I also, I really like him when he's sick and fiddle. You know, I think he's amazing in, uh, in Waria because he plays so quiet and, and, and still compared to, um, Tom Hardy, right. Who is like all rage and anger, you know? And, and it's, it's, I like seeing him in that. Well, I think after seeing him in, in the gift and after seeing mm. him in black mass and after sort of, you know, having a chance to sort of be in a conversation sort of with or around him, uh, I, I would like to see him try to do mm. the leading man thing. I don't think he would downright fail at it. I think I would like to see it. I just don't know if he'd be as happy there as like, kind of like what you're saying. I would, <laughs> I, I imagine he'd do great. Yeah, in the right look, he he strikes me as a very smart dude. Yeah, uh, in the right role, I'm sure that's perfect for him. He would do great. But you know, like the the biggest uh, leading man role that he's had in the U.S. so far is the Odd Life of Timothy Green, which oh, yeah. really didn't do well for him. But maybe yeah. that wasn't his fault. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't see the film. No, I didn't either. Um, but you know, he just he has this. Uh, you know, like it's whenever I'm casting a film, the thing that I'm always looking for, and it's I, whenever I'm talking to my casting director or whatever, the thing that I'm always looking for is can they sit silently and for us to be interested in them? And and he has that, yeah, whatever that is. And not everyone does. No, not everyone does. You know, like uh, better actors don't. You know, like more well known actors sure. don't have that skill. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what it is about him, but you know, I'm interested to see what he's thinking all yeah. the time. No, agreed. Um, and that definitely helps with this film. Uh, with the gift so 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 just sort of in summation at the end of this movie i mean do we want to just talk about the very end of sort the very of end what i i think it's 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 brilliant it's dark as fuck it's it's creepy mm-hmm. um i my wife saw it coming mm-hmm. i wasn't thinking about it but once it started happening i realized yeah. what it was so Shall we shall we describe what yeah. happened? So let's. I'm going to kind of go in a little bit backwards chronological order. At some point in the middle of the film, uh, you find out that Robin is taking some sort of pills to sort of deal with her depression. She steals them from a neighbor, yeah. and then all of a sudden, no, she, I don't think she steals them from a neighbor. I think she just sees. No, I, no, she's so she can know. They even say it in the movie. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but like they, she, they moved away because she had a problem with pills because yeah. she had to have. She oh, had maybe a she did steal them from the and then she stole them because because uh, Simon goes, "Oh, you already found a pharmacist," and yeah. she's like, "No, like yeah, yeah. she didn't. She stole them from. She was looking at the pills. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. She's been taking pills, and you know, whatever. Blah blah blah. blah. It's just to add another layer of distrust between her and Simon. Yeah. And but she's been hearing weird things in the house, like faucets being left on, whatever. You're not sure if it's her because of the pills or whatever. And there's one point where she passes out. Yeah. And then like she wakes up and she's in the bed and they it's kind of the only weird cut in the entire movie for a point yeah and you're just like oh, okay whatever like you yeah she's taking too many pills yeah. she's depressed you know uh, so later on uh down the line uh finally after all this stuff and she's uncovered all this shit about simon her husband that she never well, knew well well first off like um gordo kind of leaves them right yeah gordo kind of is, leaves the picture and now she's pregnant right yeah, yeah. yeah she gets yeah, i'm sorry yeah, yeah she gets pregnant again uh, and so they're getting ready and they're doing, it kind of goes through a time lapse of like them being sort of happy. And she's like sort of sad in the beginning, but then yeah. she's not, and she's getting used to her life and blah, 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 blah. 
and then uh, they have sort of an interaction with Gordo again. That's where uh, he she wants him to finally apologize to him or something yeah. like that. And then Simon goes to the parking lot. Gordo doesn't accept the apology, and Simon gets violent, beats kind of Gordo mm. a little bit, and mm. uh, and then bounces. So then uh, they throughout this stuff, and I forget what the straw that breaks the camel's back in this situation is when they finally have the baby. Uh, They're about to have the baby, and and oh, Gordo takes his revenge for the beating, and he's been building this revenge for a right. long time, which is that he reveal he he sends a final gift. Well, hold on, before that, before yeah. the final gift, uh, Robin has finally had enough of Simon, and yeah. even at, right after the baby's born, says she doesn't want to go back to the house with. Simon. Because she fi- she finds out about the uh, the the sabotage of the other right, coworker, and, and which matches all of the shit that she did, he yeah. did to Gordo back when he was. So he's never changed. So then Simon leaves to try to sort of mentally figure out like what his next move is. Yeah, and he goes back to the house and finds this final gift while Robin is still in the hospital with yeah. the newborn. And the final gift is a three parter that yeah. takes place in a crib. <laughs> um, it's it's basically uh, a series. Gift of- number one. Side note: It was labeled three, two, one. Yeah. Or one, two, three. When when I saw them and I saw him opening one first I, in my brain because I'm weird and backwards, yeah. I was like, oh, I do three, two, one because it's a countdown. Yeah. So that would have totally messed up the well, entire I, thing. I, I don't remember what the three gifts were because the I one. Do. Oh, I do. I do. First gift is a key, key to the house. Simon realizes that all the weird stuff that Robin was reporting wasn't was actually yeah. her yeah. being crazy. Uh, he And Simon goes over and checks the key and up oh, there it is. D- mm. Gift two is a digital CD, uh, uh, CD oh, right. thing oh. of the audio of them making fun, which I knew he was recording when, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the house. So the, so when Simon was saying you want to you know he really wants to fuck you yeah, yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. like he's being a total yeah. dick that it comes back. It's, yeah, you yeah. know like the And then so but at a, it's a funny moment too cuz way back I know we're jumping around but Gordo one of Gordo's gifts way in the beginning was uh Apocalypse Now because yeah. he helps Robin figure out her surround sound system. He's like, "Oh, the chopper's going overhead. It's going to sound so cool in your room." So he gives them Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So when they right get to the point where uh, where finally it sort of crescendos about how Simon's like being pretending to be Gordo. They're like, oh, you want to fuck me? And she goes, no, because you're disgusting or whatever. But she's really referencing Simon, not Gordo. Yeah, yeah. But it starts blaring the moment of Apocalypse Now in this audio recording of the... Um, of the uh, of the helicopters going over the bump, so it gets super loud. He has to turn that off. And then the third gift is a DVD, which shows that when Robin passed out that one time that we saw, Gordo might have been in the house, and Gordo may be the father of this child. That is right, and he's wearing a monkey mask, which it sets up that uh, that <laughs> Simon has a fear of monkeys for some reason. <laughs> um, but. but- yeah, so that's basically the thing, and you never quite know. No, and that, and I think that's the genius of the ending, which is that Gordo's point is the thing that Simon did to him. Well, oh, yes, the, the thing that Simon did to him when he was younger. Simon basically um, suggested that Gordo was sexually abused by a by a teacher or something like that, and by you, a man, by a man, and you learn that that never happened but but even though it never happened the rumor was so strong that Gordo's father beat him up that he was sent away from school um, I think sent into the military actually. sent into the military yeah and and what Gordo's point is is that I'm going to give you the doubt that you entered into my life you know like it's yeah, 
maybe I did do it. Maybe I did. You know, maybe I brilliant scene where yeah. where finally uh, Simon's back at the hospital and he sort of storms out at one point when Robin's not in the hospital room anymore. And he's in the parking lot and Gordo calls him and Gordo's like from a third floor window in the yeah. hospital and they're talking on the phone and Simon can't see Gordo and Gordo can see Simon. And that's when they're having this conversation of he's like, you know, OK, I didn't do it. And yeah. then so he, Simon has a like a sigh of relief. He's like. Or maybe, or maybe I, I did. did. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, Fuck. and this is what, this is that thing again in great in great film writing that I love is that this is the ending of the film. Yep. It's it's the the ending is is all around the doubt. Yep. You know, because we as an audience don't know. You know, we we have no idea whether he did it or not. And then there's this amazing. Unless you have one more thing, I have one more thing to sort of close it out. I I mean I I just again I just love that the script is so smartly structured that it builds that crescendo and then just leaves yep. us there. And I will say the cinematography in this movie is very, very good too. And mm. the, fine, the, the the crescendo for me visually of this mm. film is the last shot of the film. When he walks away. It shows Gordo walking down a, a, a hallway door in the hospital <laughs> and the door's closed and you're seeing him through the windows. Now, as we all know, hospitals have those fluorescent lights, maybe one every 10 feet or something like yeah. that. So as he's walking through this frosted glass, you see him, a very you know mm. normal silhouette of a man. You can see it's blurry, but it's the color of a man but when he hits the shadows of it it turns dark into this dark silhouette and then as he's walking forward he hits another light so it keeps going from this like light to dark light to dark character yeah. walking away from you and the I don't know if they treated that at all but if it, they did or they didn't it was just so beautiful it's, and it sort of really got the whole the fucking gut punch of doubt back into you about perfect, him and about it? the entire thing it's fabulous it is, is really good and you know like it has shades of the ending of old boy in it um, you know, uh, really, really smartly as well. So yeah, it's 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 go you, see the damn movie. I mean, you, you know, the if thing you is, haven't. Yeah, the thing is when I just you know, when I when I see a film like this, I just get really excited by yeah, the ending. You know, yeah. like it, it really it makes me charged up for what good cinema can do. Yeah, you know, like it, it is it is it is smart. It is well written, well crafted, beautifully shot. I mean, the other the other film that actually comes to mind when I think about this film is Ex Machina. You know, like it, right. uh, the the whole idea of this 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 um, architecturally bound story, um, and I think this film does does what Ex Machina does uh, um, in terms of like surrounding our two characters into this right. into this like beautiful architectural space, and 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 this film does the same thing with this glass I will, house. I will say though, while Ex Machina got a lot of critical acclaim mm. and rightfully so, I really mm. enjoyed it. This is a better film, in my opinion. Uh, right, because because ex machina. If you're going to a thriller yeah. and you're going to this thing to sort of like cut, sort of question sort of things around it, and I don't know if it's just from my background and what I'm interested in. If I'm more interested in, in ex machina style movies than sort of the gift style movies, but I saw the twist, or if you can even call it a twist, of ex machina a trillion miles away, as right. most people that I've talked to did. I know Shivali saw the twist of this, but a lot of people that I've talked to about the gift did not see the triple quadruple sort of twistiness near the end yeah. sort of thing. And there's not like you. At the end of Ex Machina, you might have a little bit of like, there's doubt of like, oh, is she really conscious or not? Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really matter because that's not what the story's about at the end. What, but like, this is about did he or did he not do it? And now Jason Bateman's character will wonder this for the rest. Like, <laughs> that's an important focal point of the story where <laughs> this is just a like, oh, the audience will wonder if she's alive or not. Right, right. And, and I think there is a visceral thing to like good thrillers, yeah. which is, you know, like you talk about why people work in certain genres and you know Hitchcock was was a master of telling interesting stories through genre yeah. and I think this is a really you know because because it's a visual genre because it kind of like leaves you gasping because you kind of like of oh what 
what's going to happen? What's going to yeah. happen? There is a more immediate response. I, Ex Machina, I think, is going for a slightly more ponderous tone, mm -hmm. whereas so the ending isn't a surprise yeah, so much course. as much as it's an unfolding of the story yeah. as we know it. Um, I would say it's hard to compare the two. They're, they're, they're sort of apples and oranges to me, but, but I think Ex Machina feels like uh, as I say, sort of a slightly more ponderous film and, and slight, maybe more ambitious in terms of existentialism. Right. Sci-fi kid likes Ex Machina better in my brain and yeah. adult me likes The Gift better in my yeah, brain. Yeah, The Gift is, 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 is dealing with more human drama. But and they're both great. They're both fantastic. And, and, and they're both, uh, it would make a great... Um, <laughs> uh, best movie houses kind of well, <laughs> uh, double hitter. I think, and this will kind of close us down, and then we'll give our final sort of uh, thing for this podcast. But like the, the, I really like that Ex Machina and The Gift sort of existed in this year of huge, huge blockbusters, which I also enjoy. And yes, they are movies, <laughs> here. Um, but I also like that they sort of exist in that. That's in still a Hollywood space. I know White Dog or White White God and um uh, and Pigeon uh, like. Don't exist in that sort of same space, and I know they still exist this year. I just I like that these these sort of thriller movies or these smaller sci-fi movies that make you sort of think more than the big budget nonsense movies that I enjoyed at the same amount. Yeah. Like I think uh, I just really enjoyed that there's space for all of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know, like the controversial comment I made, which about Mission Impossible, which is this is not a movie. Um, I I still actually kind of hold you know think about it a little yeah, bit. Keep, keep treading water. Yeah, with keep that. treading on water on that one. But no, no. In terms of like the the gift is a movie that I was genuinely engaged in. I feel like um, Mission Impossible is a series of scenes. No, it's mm. a movie you weren't generally engaged in. It's a series of uh, you know to me somewhat connected scenes, and I and that to me doesn't make a movie. But here's the deal, and I hate to break this to you, and this is going to be our final doc because we do have to go. Your engagement of what you're watching on a screen does not make it a movie or not. It mm. makes it a movie you are engaged in or a movie that you are not engaged in. It, your engagement doesn't change what it, it, it's a movie you're watching. Well, a movie. I, I think what I'm to referring to is the connectiveness of those scenes. Like the it whole still connects. <laughs> it still connects enough as a movie. I, it just does. <laughs> and even if it doesn't, even if you went to a film that was just random shit, like a pigeon sat on a branch to contemplate. Oh exactly. yeah, is that a movie? <laughs> I think that's a very different kind of movie. So maybe but you're it's right. A movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you just proved you wrong. Yeah, I know. I did. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end it. There. Uh, the gift. Go see it if you didn't stop already to go see it. It's really fun and good and, and dark. It's, it's. Is it still in theaters right now? It I is. I actually at Kipps Bay in New York. It is. Um, that's. I saw it yesterday. So great. Yeah. I mean, go see it. And I. I you know, go see it. And go talk about it. Share it with people. Tell yeah. other people to go see it. Maybe it'll build more buzz and Hopefully. more films and on on mm. on demand and uh, the Blu-rays and the physical medias. Yeah. Um, Shahir, where can people find you? www.shahirdow.com uh, and. And yeah, you can find everything there. We uh, the the podcast itself has a uh, has a, <laughs> has a Gmail, and I'm it's, it, I'm struggling to remember what it was. But hang on, I'll bring it back up. It I'll is bring it, up. it is only movie pod or something like that. Yeah, it is only movie podcast at Gmails. As always, this is getting embarrassing. Now we will give you two free movie tickets. I'm telling you. 
there are two free movie tickets just you know waiting, what? You know what? waiting for you. This is the last time we're doing this until you know someone what? actually does it. If you, if you don't do it within the next week before we put up another podcast, <laughs> this is going away. I know there are people listening. Yeah. I, I've, I've looked at the metrics. We we have we have like people listening I to know. us. I so know. Regular people why listening. Why wouldn't you send a fucking email? Listen to us. We're so like passively, aggressively no, scolding this, our audience is, right this now. This is aggressively being aggressive. Like if, if I listen to a podcast, they're like, hey guys, I want to give you a free thing. I'd be like, oh, I'll email. That takes me two seconds and we'll see. Who knows? So just fucking do it. Douche. Uh, <laughs> Douchebags. <laughs> sons of yeah, bitches. bitches. Um, we also have a Twitter account at OnlyMoviePod. Uh, right. So yeah, try us there and our Facebook page. Yes, and you can find me at www.matthewcroll.com. You can also find me at Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, I want to do another plug. Uh, there is another podcast that a friend of mine, Greg Moberg, does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it is called This Was Rad. And was what rad. they do on This Was Rad is they take a film. And they like an older film like that they remember through nostalgia and they watch it again. Greg, his friend and his friends, I believe, 13 year old daughter. And <laughs> oh, they that's watch great. it that's and, they, great. and they reference it. Now, it's a great podcast. And believe me, I, your guess is as good as mine what they actually talk about, because we are the only podcast about movies. <laughs> yes, I mean, but but when I've listened to it. I really did enjoy it. That's it was, a really good idea as well to take it, a thing. It's a really one. solid idea. I just listened to the Master of the Universe one, which, oh, which blew dude. me away. I just saw that that popped up on Netflix. And, oh, yeah, well, I own it on Blu-ray. So. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they just did, because it's amazing. Uh, and then uh, then they just did, not I haven't listened to it yet, uh, They Live. So uh, okay. I, I believe it was They Live. Uh, the Roddy Roddy Piper movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I saw um, that. But yeah, so check that out. Great podcast. Uh, what up to Greg? And uh, yeah, this has been the only podcast about the gift. It is, and and now that we're back in the country together, I think we're going to see more movies. We've got, I, I know we've got at least two that we both really want to talk right. about. And and maybe next time you go to New Zealand, you take me with you so <laughs> I can fucking do this podcast around the world. That would be amazing. We'll do it. Uh, I can't afford that. Anyway, we'll use uh, our sponsorship dollars. Yeah, with all that money that we're saving, not buying you movie tickets. You know what? Take the gift, people. Take the gift. Take this is a gift. Fucking for gift. you guys, assholes.